Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Well, I just want to talk for a little bit tonight on something that I felt like God had kind of prompted me to to teach. Um, I just felt like that uh, um, God was just wanting me to share this this lesson uh, because I feel like there's a lot of uh, suffering going on. I feel like there's a lot of uh, those that have kind of felt like just wondering why you know why uh, things happen? Why does life happen? Why is there pain and hurt? And what is the meaning of it? And I just felt like I, I needed to teach this less, lesson on uh, the discipline of suffering. So I want to get into that today. So um, first, I'll say that to live is to suffer. None of us are going to get through this life. Um, without suffering. That is just a part of life. It is the consequence of, of the fall in the Garden of Eden. And it, it won't reverse until we enter into heaven and we are with the Lord. And the Bible we know is full of people who trusted in God in the midst of their hurt. So I just want to talk tonight about that, and I, I know that God knows exactly where you're at and what you're going through tonight, and his eyes are upon us, and I just want us to pray before we really get into this, that God would just help us to see um, things a little bit different than maybe we had before on the, the conflicts and the, and the suffering and the hurt that comes towards us, that God would open up our eyes, that he has a greater purpose for us. So why don't we do that right now? Why don't we pray and ask God to just open up our eyes? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you know so much more than we do, God, that we can only see just a little bit ahead, God, but you can see the end, God, from the beginning. You can judge, God, and you can figure out things, Jesus. In a moment, God, you can change a situation, God, for our benefit, whether we understand it or not, God. Lord, and though we look upon you with eyes of faith and though we, we try to move forward, God, sometimes it's hard, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that we would see that you are working, God, in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our circumstances that we cannot understand, God. I pray that you would teach us, Lord, that you are doing something in our lives, regardless of the suffering that may come. And I pray that we would look at things differently tonight, Jesus, that we would see from a biblical perspective, from a spiritual perspective, God, as your spirit guides us tonight, Lord, do what you want to do in this place, in Jesus' name. So we can look at Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith, and we can see multiple different lives that have dealt with suffering. We can see that Abel 
was murdered. Noah, he was ridiculed for standing for the truth. Abraham's wife was kidnapped. Sarah, she was kidnapped. Abraham was forsaken by Lot. And then God tested Abraham by asking him to offer Isaac. Hebrews 11.25 tells us that even Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Great faith, it doesn't exempt us from suffering. Living for God doesn't exempt us from going through pain. We obviously don't like pain. We don't like problems that can't quickly be resolved. But there's no biblical promise that we will ever on this earth completely escape the consequences of the brokenness that, that entered into this world when the rebellion happened with Adam and Eve. We're not promised that we're going to escape without scars, without hurt. Romans 5.12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. This reference to death by sin refers to God's warning to Adam. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We know that this death that God is talking about was not merely physical, but it was spiritual. Ephesians 2.1 tells us, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Colossians 2.13 tells us, And you being dead in your sins... And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So we know that by living this life, we're going to have to deal with a spiritual death and a physical death because of what happened in the garden. Adam's disobedience resulted in negative spiritual consequences for all, but it also causes Physical decay leading to death. Man was cut off from the tree of life. We couldn't go back to the garden and have the tree of life fall over again. We were cut off. But although there is redemption through Christ, through Christ and his works on the cross, we still have to live in a fallen world among fallen people. So there will always be a dimension of suffering since we left Eden. Though we have a, the promise of healing and of salvation, there will be still, um, there will still be death until resurrection takes place. There will still be death that we have to deal with in this life. Hebrews 9.27 tells us, and as is a, it is as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this is judgment. First Corinthians tells us, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. In verse 53 through 54 in 1 uh, uh, Corinthians 15 tells us, for this corruptible must be in incorruption and the mortal must be on immortality. So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So we know that we have hope in Christ, but we will still have to deal with this life while we're living it. We will still have to deal with the pain that comes from this life. But we have an occasion to rejoice because of that. It may be hard to believe, but God wants us to have a perspective where we can rejoice in the suffering and in the pain. Suffering, according to the Bible, should be an occasion for rejoicing, not for questioning God or just giving up hope. Romans 5, 3 through 5, and I have a ton of scriptures today. I mean, I'm talking like 30. So it's not going to be up there because I, I gave up at, at about 20 when I was texting Brother Arnold and I said, this is just ridiculous. So moving on, Romans 5, 3 and 5, it says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So tribulation is doing something within us. In the mid-20th century, an apostolic woman, she asked her pastor to pray that God would give her patience. The pastor prayed for tribulation. And she was trying to correct him and said, you, you're, you know, here's a hearing aid, pastor, you're hearing wrong. Uh, I asked for patience. And he was praying tribulation. But the pastor informed her that patience was the result of tribulation. Sometimes we don't really want to pray the Bible way. <laughs> but the Greek word tribulation, it has within its range of meanings the idea of pressure. Pressure. Today we could look at this as a common problem of stress. A lot of us get stressed out by a lot of things in this life. We have many stress points in, in today's age. We have the internet, after all. So we know how everybody's feeling. We know what's going on in the world, even though it's probably not always a good thing. <laughs> we know who slapped who. That had to come up sometime. You know, we, we, just, we see all kinds of stress points, though, and pressure points in this life, family relationships, job responsibilities, financial crisis, health concerns. The media likes to bomb us with bad news all the time. It only enhances the problem when we start to focus upon those things and it affects our day. Pressure or stress alone won't produce patience though. 
Just having stress is not going to produce patience. How many people do you know that are stressed out all the time and they're always in a hurry about it? It doesn't make you patient by going through pressure. Romans 5, 1 through 2 tells us, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Pressure, it will produce patience when we respond to it in faith in God. Peace with God results in inner peace, which helps a person trust in God regardless of the situation. And that really truly is genuine faith, is to have that peace in God taking care of the situation. Maybe not the way that we want it to, to happen, but we know that God is working. We know that we can have trust in him, that he knows what he's doing. That is genuine faith. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 tells us, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. James 1, 2 and 4 tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, it worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That word translated temptation is different from tribulation in Romans 5.3. This word indicates an attempt to learn the nature or character of someone or something by submitting such to thorough and extensive testing. In other words, God, he sends tests our way, not because he needs to learn about us, but because we need to learn about ourselves. So God allows us to go through trials and temptations and in different issues and sufferings so we can learn about ourselves. We can learn where our faith really lies in when the financial system crashes or when we end up going through a health crisis. You know, we, we realize very quickly what our faith is in. Is it in doctors? Is it in medicine? Or is it in God? Now, we obviously don't want to be foolish and, you know, ignore a lump that's just growing on your face. But we have to know that God, we can put our trust in God and he will take care of us. Trials of faith, they show our hidden weaknesses and they end up, they give us opportunity for growth. Like Sister Lonnie was talking about, growing those roots. Those roots grow and are strengthened because of the resistance against the tree, because of the wind and the rain and things that come against it. This has probably been preached about many times, but there were trees that apparently they built in a biodome and the trees grew up to a certain height and they kept falling over because they had no deep roots, because there was no wind in the biodome to push against the trees and to help them to grow deep into the soil. We need trials. We need things that will cause us sometimes 
to go through uncomfortable situations in order for our faith to grow. Without patience that, that comes from the trials and responding to faith, we are still going to be deficient in our spiritual lives if we don't have patience that comes from the trials and, and we don't respond in faith, we're going to have deficiencies. We can look at Noah and Daniel and Job as a good example of those that suffered without ever doing anything wrong to deserve those sufferings. These three were so, um, so duly highlighted for this point that Ezekiel the book of Ezekiel even talks about those three specifically. It says in Ezekiel 14, verse 14, verse 16, and verse 20, it says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered. But the land shall be desolate. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver only their own soul by their righteousness. We all know what they were in. And it wasn't pretty for either one of them or all three of them. But because of their righteousness and because of not responding to the trials and, and the issues that came against them in a way that was wrong, they grew from those situations. They grew from those circumstances that were, I'm about to drop this. <laughs> they grew from those circumstances that came against them. We can look at Noah. Uh, we've talked about Noah quite a bit in the last few Sundays. Brother Ron has given us really uh, should be no questions to be asked because uh, he went through just about everything, but I feel like I have more questions <laughs> now because there's so much that I didn't even realize provoking me to thought. So I really appreciate those, those lessons. But Noah says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. He walked with God. Daniel, it says, that then saith Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they may not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocence was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So Daniel proved that he was innocent before the eyes of God. Noah was just and perfect. And Job, Job was perfect, upright. God even said, you can't get a higher compliment than that. But when God's talking to the devil and saying, have you considered Job? He's perfect. He's upright. He fears God and he avoids evil. But that doesn't mean that they were perfect and they were sinless. Didn't mean that they weren't human or something. They were all human. Noah was discovered drunk in a tent. Daniel acknowledged his sins and confessed it to God in Daniel 9.20. God rebuked Job for his words leading Job to confess. And say, you know what God, you, you know a whole lot more than I do. 
But James ended up pointing out Job's patience in James 5, 10 through 11. That's how much of an impact that Job's life had. By the suffering that he went through, it caused us to be blessed. We read the story of Job, as, as apparently James did, and he was blessed by that story. Is our suffering that we're going through blessing anybody else around us? Is what we're going through, is it causing us to uh, worship and praise the Lord through the trial? Or are we sitting there complaining and causing more grief? That's a question we might ask ourselves. But James seen what Job's life and his response and his patience had, had brought blessing to James so much that he wanted to mention it here. He says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very um, pitiful and of tender mercies. So we know that Job and Daniel... And Noah, they learned how to be patient in their suffering and to have genuine faith. Job, after losing his wealth, his children, his support and encouragement from his wife, and his health even, he still spoke those immortal words in Job thirteen fifteen: Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Satan thought that people only serve God for the benefits that they receive from God. But God used Job's suffering and real faith to prove that a person of genuine faith will trust God regardless of life's circumstances. In other words, it really just shut hell's mouth. And Job had a self-discovery and a God-discovery in that moment. There are other causes of, of suffering that takes place. Rejection by those who don't share our faith is another form of suffering. <clears throat> Matthew 10, 34-36 tells us, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. This is Jesus talking. He said, I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. And the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be thy of, they of his own household. It's not, of course, what Jesus wanted for people to just have conflict. But it, it's pointed out many times in the New Testament to believers that they should live in peace with each other. But sometimes life happens, and people have misunderstandings. The point is, when, when we have those within our family that reject Jesus, it's obviously going to cause conflict. There's going to be differences in opinions. And it's going to set you at odds with other members of your family. Jesus experienced that same rejection. In John 7, 3 and 5, his brethren therefore saith unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. 
For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. And then it says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. His own brethren didn't believe in him in this area that he was at, where he grew up. He was rejected. So we can have suffering sometimes that comes like that. Suffering can also come from disappointment with those that you love. Betrayal causes a devastating sense of loss. When someone betrays us, when someone hurts us. Matthew 24, 9 and 10 says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. This is the disciples that Jesus is talking to, and he's talking about those around them in their community, those that they had maybe grew up with, those that they had maybe learned the same lessons in their Bible classes with. Those people are going to kill you, destroy you. And we know if we look at the book of Acts, you know how much the disciples ended up suffering with their lives. Except for John. He got to live, but he was boiled alive first. But what did it bring? It brought us a great revelation, a book of revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that nobody else got to see the things that he's seen. He's seen things that we haven't even seen yet, that haven't even taken place yet. So suffering, it may seem like a terrible thing. It may seem like a horrible thing to experience But God is trying to do something. God is trying to get us to open up our eyes to see that he is working on us. That he is growing something within us. I'm convinced too that some of us, even me, even you, all of us, at different times in our life, if we didn't go through a form of suffering at a moment, we probably wouldn't have ever turned to God. Many Christians today can identify with Paul in his sense of loneliness and emotional wounds. Paul went through plenty of moments where he was just completely alone in a prison somewhere. It says in 2 Timothy 4, 10, 14, and 15, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou were also, for he hath um, greatly withstood our words. So he had people that did wrong to him, that hurt him. And he was lonely. You know, there's, there was people that, that couldn't understand Paul's uh, sense of, of closeness to God. You know, there's those that love the world and left him. Suffering can also come from weakness or sickness when God chooses not to heal us. And it's hard to understand when you're in a church service where healing is taking place and someone's healed and you're not healed. And it makes you question your faith and it makes you think, oh, maybe my faith wasn't good enough or 
or whatever, we have thoughts that go through our mind like maybe I'm not good enough to be healed. Maybe God doesn't love me as much as this person. There's all kinds of crazy thoughts that come in our head. But sometimes God chooses to allow us to go through things, even even physical um, hurts and pains and sicknesses. You know, God chose to allow COVID to happen. Why? Well, it definitely got the eyes of the world back upon him because we had no other answers. A lot of people didn't have any other answers. And God allowed that to happen. And those that continued in faith are stronger today because of that. But, but even Paul, he even gave an example, or he, he, he gave some advice to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.23. And this is not condoning drinking, so let's not get into that. But it says, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thine often infirmities. In other words, Timothy was having some kind of stomach issues. And Paul was trying to give him some kind of remedy to give him something that would kind of soothe his pain. That to me right there says that God's not really totally against medicine. You know, I mean, I'm not preaching that you should just take anything and everything because that's not the answer either. Doctors, uh, they prescribe a lot of things that they wouldn't take. (laughs) But uh, let's not get into all that. But there's different sufferings that we go through. Paul's advice to Timothy, that indicated, though, that he had some kind of stomach issues. Timothy seemed to suffer from a physical problem, but Paul suffered from an infirmity connected with his spiritual well-being. It wouldn't even yield to prayer. We can see in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, and this is a familiar scripture for most of us, I'm sure, but it says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he saith unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. It sounds like oxymoron. To be strong when you're weak. But that's what Paul was seeing, that God wasn't taking Whatever it was away from him, whether it be physical or it was something that was affecting his spiritual being. The revelations that Paul were receiving put him in danger of pride. The things that Paul was seeing in the spirit was affecting his pride. We can look at the story of Lucifer. He was shown the heavens. He was given the glory of God to to carry around with him. And it led him to pride, which caused him to be kicked out of heaven. God was not going to let this happen to Paul. God loved Paul so much that he gave him something that would cause him to lean upon God just a little bit more. The Lord allowed Satan to 
abuse Paul in some form or some way in order to ward off any arrogance that would come from a wrong response to a spiritual experience. You know, we can have spiritual experiences and go about it the wrong way. You know, say, for instance, if God reveals something to you about somebody, but you go and tell everybody about it, and it wasn't for you to tell everybody, it was for you to pray for that person. You know, there's different things like that that can come against us, and we, we can be deceived in the moment of the spiritual height. We can be at the most vulnerable places where we can find ourselves sinning and not even realizing it. One person, uh, one preacher said, the deception of deception is deception. And it makes sense if you think about it, unless you're deceived. (laughs) But we can be deceived in those moments of weakness. But God was not going to let this happen to Paul. And we can speculate all day what, what, what the thorn was and all of that. But it helped to develop Paul. It developed something that was invaluable. His character that would keep him from falling to pride. In other words, weakness is really the only way to authenticate spiritual strength. When we go through moments of weakness, what are we doing? We are relying upon God. We are relying upon him to lead us, to give us peace, to give us joy, to give us hope in him. The greater our weakness, the greater opportunity for the power of Christ to rest upon us, like Paul had said, that he would most gladly, he would rather that the glory that he would glory in infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon him. Paul learned to embrace suffering as a friend. People of great faith in the Bible, they learn to rejoice in their suffering. They learn to put their trust in God, even though it didn't make any sense to them. Psalms 119.71 tells us, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. We rely on the word of God when we're going through suffering. When we are going through something and we need an answer, we turn to the word of God for our strength. Since we are humans, we are going to suffer. But in that God will work to save us from despair. In that work that God is doing upon us, he may not choose to take away the the suffering. He may make us go through the storm instead of going around the storm. But God is trying to do something in us. It's a vote of confidence that we're going through something because God can trust you with it. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12 tells us, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. 
persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal bodies or in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. For Paul, Paul realized that God's excellent power was working in the midst of his human weakness. God can bring us to a place where we are humbled before him, even if it takes something like suffering to do that. Paul had to go through some things. He had to learn that God wanted to do something great within his life, but it couldn't happen. It couldn't take place unless he was going to suffer. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18, Paul tells us, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not on the things which are seen, you know, the present stuff that we're dealing with, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are, are temporal, but the things which are not are eternal. The things that we don't see happening in our lives, they are eternal rewards that are taking place. Paul seen it as suffering as a friend because of its eternal value. Suffering can be our friend because God can use it to develop our character. If we respond by trusting in God, then it will develop our character. Even if that suffering is sometimes disciplinary. If we are open to God, God can teach us things and it may not be easy but he wants to have that open relationship with you where you can listen to his voice and you can just suffer through it sometimes. It says in Hebrews 12, 11, it says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Suffering can also help us have empathy towards other people. I mean, how can we really help anybody if we've never gone through anything? Second Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it, it tells us, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation." that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. So when we go through situations and we turn to God and he comforts us, it, it, it ignites something in us whenever we see someone else suffering. We know the cure. We know what will get them through those things because God did it for us. He is our comfort 
It can also help us to not pass judgment on others. James 2, 13 tells us, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath shown no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. We can go through things, and it will help us to realize that those people that are going crazy right now, that are acting a fool, they are probably going through something because we were acting a fool and we were going through something. So it gives us a better understanding of what people are going through. It can help us to reach out for help instead of being self-sufficient or prideful. Ecclesiastes, Brother Austin's favorite book. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. It says, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he has fallen. For he hath not another to help him up. That may be talking about uh, schoolwork too. Just in case. You need help, Brother Austin. Reach out to somebody else but me. (laughs) But it can help us to say, you know what? I need somebody. I need to call somebody. It can also teach us, suffering can also teach us humility when we respond in faith. James 4.10 tells us, I told you I had a lot of scriptures. I mean, I feel like I've just been up here reading the Bible the whole time. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. He will lift you up. It's again, relying upon God. And we have to have a God-honoring response to suffering. That's what we're called to do. We got to honor God in our suffering. We have to honor God in our pain. In the circumstances we don't understand and we don't have answers. The Christian life, it isn't about joy versus sorrow. Although that's the way that it seems in a lot of people's minds about Christians. You know, it's just this joyful experience all the time. It's not about choosing Christianity because of joy versus sorrow, but it's joy in sorrow. It's not about peace versus turmoil. You know, choosing the peaceful path versus choosing the turmoil path. I don't think that's the right word. Yeah, that's it. But it's peace in the turmoil. It's not about contentment versus need, but it's being content even though you have a need. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through through Christ which strengtheneth me. It really changes the, the, the kind of perspective on that scripture when it's quoted outside of like a basketball game or something in Christian school. You know, there is actually... This is Paul saying, I've experienced all these things. I have dealt with all these circumstances. I didn't say I liked them. I didn't say I liked going hungry. 
But I learned that whether I was full, whether I was hungry, whether I had a meal in front of me, or whether I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from, and I'm measuring in days, not in hours, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He learned something. He learned something along the way. C.S. Lewis said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciousness, or in our, yeah, consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I think that, in one reason, was what COVID was kind of all about. That whole situation was supposed to get people's eyes upon Christ. For Paul to suffer was a calling. When sending Ananias to the newly converted Saul, the Lord said to Ananias, it was right from the beginning, Ananias, he spoke to him and told him exactly what Paul's ministry was going to be like. He says, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. There is at least some sense in which all believers may be called to suffer. As Peter put it, it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. We're all going to suffer. We might as well suffer for God than suffer for the world. Brings a lot of extra suffering that has no purpose and has no meaning. But Paul's words in Romans 8, 35 and 39 indicate that believers can expect to face tribulation. They can expect to face distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword. But whatever we face, we know painful circumstances cannot separate us from God's love. God's love is not going to be taken away from us because of our suffering and because of anything that we go through. There's no amount of suffering that can take away the love of God. And I would say that suffering is a great sign that God loves you and that he's for you and that he's working upon you. So I I think tonight, if we could, I just want us to all stand. And I just want us to pray that God would help us to recognize in the middle, whatever, I don't know what everybody's going through. I don't know what everybody's dealing with. I only know what I'm dealing with. You only know what you're dealing with. Maybe other people around you know. And you've talked to him about it. But I know that God knows what we're going through. And I know that he loves us and he is trying to grow some beautiful things within us. And that above all, he sees right where we're at. And he's allowed these things to happen so he can prove that he is working upon us. So I just think that tonight, if we could, let's just pray and ask God to just really just let us see things differently with what we're going through. And if we could close our eyes, I just want us to think about what we're going through. What what is ailing us? It may be physically. It may be just mental anguish. It may be conflicts. It may be circumstances beyond our control. 
But I want us to think about those tonight. And I want us to just, just let go and just say, God, I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to have faith in you. And just, just talk to God for a few minutes and just, just surrender all those things that we're holding on to. And just let God take hold of, of all of that. And let's just see what God will do. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a God that loves us.